This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Missing is produced by What's the Story Sounds. They also make lots of other great content, which I think you might like. Why not sign up for What's the Story Crime? On there, you'll find series including The Missing completely ad-free, as well as bonus content and even entire series you can't hear elsewhere. Signing up is super easy. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime. When it comes to long-term missing persons cases, you never quite know when you're going to catch a break. Some receive a steady drip feed of tips, with possible sightings and new theories cropping up at regular intervals. But most lay dormant for years at a time, with nothing in the way of new clues or leads, leaving relatives and authorities alike feeling like they've exhausted every avenue of inquiry. Such was the case for Lauren Safry, whose mother, Lisa Paul, was last seen in Wilsdon Green, North West London, on the 16th of January 2013. Ten years later, and her family were no closer to finding her than they were in those first few days and weeks after she vanished. But then, out of the blue, Lauren found herself chatting to a homeless man outside a TK Maxx in central London. As they parted ways, she did something she'd done regularly in the immediate aftermath of her mum's disappearance, She took out her phone and showed him a picture of Lisa. She watched his face as he studied the photo, 
and saw an unmistakable flash of recognition in the man's eyes. He stood up sharply and he called to a friend further down the street. A second man walked over and examined the picture before turning to Lauren and saying two magic words. That's Lisa. I'm Pandora Sykes and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series produced by What's the Story Sounds and brought to you with help from the charities Missing People and Locate International. They believe that all of the cases in this series could still be solved. This is The Missing, Lisa Paul. Lauren's parents, Lisa and Graham, were teenage sweethearts. They met when they were 17 and 19. My dad, um, his roommate, was dating my mom. <laughs> and um, he liked the look of her and he thought she was very nice. And they were all hanging out together. So he basically kind of like nicked, <laughs> nicked her off him. But like, they broke up for like four years then they got back together they bumped into each other in like Harrow because that's where my dad's originally from so northwest London and then when they bumped into each other they they've always been in love they were like each other's first loves and it was it's such a sweet story they got back together and had me and then they had my brother the two of them came from different backgrounds my mom's half English half Iranian my dad's half German, half English. Lisa's father, Mohammed, arrived in London when he was just a teenager, around a decade before the Iranian Revolution of 1978, which resulted in the toppling of the monarchy. He came to the UK when he was 17 to study. So he did not speak English when he came here. And he went to a boarding school and that's how he had learned English. Lauren's Iranian heritage is very important to her. I'm very patriotic because I live with my grandparents, but I'm very close to my granddad on my mom's side, of course. After completing his studies, Mohammed got to work and before long he crossed paths with a woman named Linda. He met my grandma in Selfridges and his friends said, oh, um, there's good looking girls in Selfridges, we should work there. So <laughs> they ended up working there. And he met my grandma and then he took her and her mum out for dinner on the first date. And then after two weeks of knowing her, he said, you're the type of woman I'd like to marry. And being a white Jewish woman, she went back to her family and said, I've met a foreigner and he's a nutter. <laughs> Which is just so funny. And then they ended up marrying in the, in, when it's the Israeli war. Which was crazy. Mohammed proved to be a shrewd businessman. He got into property and ended up owning the Milestone Hotel in Kensington and a casino called The Trojan in Fillimore Gardens, which later became Sticky Fingers, the rock-themed restaurant owned by Rolling Stones bassist Bill Wyman. Mohammed and Linda settled down and had a daughter who they named Lisa. All the women in my family, we start with L's. So my grandma's Linda, my mom is Lisa, and I'm Lauren Holly. So... They kind of kept that tradition going, which is really lovely. Lisa was an independent child who marched to the beat of her own drum. She was very, like, outspoken, kind of like me. So, like, apparently when she was 15, there was this tree 
like in the school and they called it the smoker's spot, like to smoke cigarettes. And she got the whole school to go on strike when they weren't allowed to smoke under the tree. So she like led this revolution at the age of like 14, 15. And I think they got their tree back. That <laughs> they were allowed to smoke under the tree. So like she was just very like, she was the leader of the pack, you know? Lisa was privately educated at King Alfred's school. I think she never wanted people to think that she came from a comfortable background. Lisa had always been discreet about her privileged upbringing. Like, normally people would like to show it off. She was not like that. Lauren's dad hadn't grown up with the same advantages as Lisa. My dad actually worked for Tesco's. He was stacking shelves in Tesco's. And his upbringing was a far cry from the happy, supportive household Lisa had grown up in. But he actually has a really sad backstory. His mum got MS when he was, like, she had an MS early beginnings when she was seven years old. And his father left my father with his dying mother. And my dad basically had to be her carer. So because of that, that obviously, like, messed with his head. But he was typically English, cockney lad, like, you're right, geez, let's go to the pub kind of guy. Graham was a proper petrol head. He loved to drive, so he became like a chauffeur for a guy in Tesco's. Meanwhile, Lisa was trying her hand at several different things in an effort to figure out what was next for her. My mum, she loved to work. She was so driven. She was always so positive. She wanted to do something all the time. So I don't know what she was actually doing, but she was an artist when she was younger and a photographer. And but she would just do like little side jobs here and there. For a while, everything was rosy for Lisa and Graham. They were deeply in love and they had two beautiful children together whom they adored. But there were problems on the horizon. My dad actually struggled through with alcohol. And then he became an alcoholic as like an in his early 20s, which is just sad because he just got, he got held an unfortunate hand, you know? Lisa found her own avenues of release. Like started smoking weed and then started doing all these drugs. Like people, they mixed with wrong crowds, but like the crowd she mixed with, it just brought her down. My mom, she had a turbulent lifestyle. She graduated to hard drugs, cocaine and heroin. And from that point onwards, her and Graham's relationship deteriorated. It's a dark hole when it gets too deep. They weren't, like, clicking anymore. So it was, like, more of a way where they loved each other so much, but because both of them were going through these issues, they couldn't be together. The young couple went their separate ways. Lauren was just three years old at the time, and it was decided that the best thing for her and her younger brother Jack would be to go and live with Mohammed and Linda. So growing up, it was mainly living with my grandparents all the time. Lisa and Graham made a concerted effort to be part of their children's lives. I would see my dad every weekend. I'd see my mum like three times a week, just separately. But like they kept in contact, but they weren't together it was it was like when you're involved with addiction people don't understand it's not like you don't really you don't make other people your priority you make yourself your priority so I don't think that really kind of crossed their mind 
Going from living with their mum and dad, who weren't people of means, to staying with their wealthy grandparents gave Lauren and Jack a lot of perspective. So for me with my parents, especially my mum, she would like cook dinner for me. She would do like things that wasn't so extravagant, but it meant more sentimental wise. My dad, he would like, they would both take us to the park. We would feed the ducks. It was very like wholesome, you know? Sometimes he couldn't even get me birthday presents. So he would film, he would um, frame some fit photos of me and write me these cards and he loved it. He would sit in the store and look at cards for like 10 minutes and like pick the right cards. So it was more like, like, I don't I that's, as a child, like, you appreciate that so much more, like just being with your parents rather than the financial situation, you know? Lisa relocated to Kilburn in northwest London, where she had a flat, whilst Graham got himself a place in Bedford. For a long time, they both managed to keep up with their children and to start rebuilding their lives. But after a few years, they started to slip up. And Lisa, in particular, began to struggle. After me being like six or seven, it just really went bad for her. So like, I, I saw her so much through, through that. Even before she reached her teenage years, when it came to her mum and dad, Lauren found herself losing track of who was the parent and who was the child in their relationship. It's like everyone was saying to me, Lauren, like, you don't need to have, like, you don't need to feel like you're the parent, you know? I feel like I had to help them. I've always, also with my mum, I felt so responsible for her. Get her food. With my dad, I'd call him. I was just depressed. And yeah. That's just as sad. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Lauren felt like it was her duty to be strong for her parents and to be there when they needed her. But every now and again, she found the pressure to keep it all together overwhelming. I loved both of my parents a lot. I have a tattoo for my mum. She used to call me Angel. So I got an Angel tattoo for her. But um, it was quite traumatic for me. For me especially, being the eldest sibling and being raised by an Iranian man. Like, I don't know if, like, I think it's the UK as well. But, like, the eldest has to put up with the shit. (laughs) The eldest has to be the leader of the family, you know? So, like, for me, it's like I've always wanted to protect my brother against any traumatic experiences when we were younger. And because of that, it's on my shoulders 100%. 
For as long as Lisa was in Lauren's life, she was trapped in an endless cycle of recovery and relapse. So she would do like a six-month period where she'd be good, then a six-month period where she'd be bad. Mohammed and Linda were in agony, watching their daughter battle her demons, and they did everything they could to help her. So she went to a lot of rehabs, private rehabs my granddad paid for. A lot. Like, she didn't want to get better. But then she did want to get better when she saw me and my brother getting older. Imagine that being your only daughter. It's horrible. Like, they had so many conversations, but you can't help someone if they don't help themselves. Lauren saw her mother for the last time in late 2013. Whilst Lisa had been struggling, their last few visits together had been positive. She was doing really good. And my lasting memory would be her just like telling me, <laughs> like, like a friend she didn't like in the past and just like having girl talk about it. <laughs> just like, I didn't like this woman. Like she really annoyed me. And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't like her too. Speaking to her in her grandparents' house, Lauren was reminded of all of her mum's positive traits. She was such a loving person. Like, she was always like, I want to see my children. I want to see Lauren Holly. Because what's weird is, no one calls me Lauren Holly, but it's a double-barreled name. She would always insist. She goes, no, her name is Lauren Holly, not Lauren. Like, she was so, like, family-oriented. She actually, I found, like, four years ago, a little photo album it's like the size of my palm of photos that she made from like photographs that she took um and it's of her and my dad and it's like a little booklet being like i love you graham forever then in december lauren her brother and their grandparents headed to the united states for a holiday at the time Mohammed was supporting lisa financially she normally would get money once a week from my granddad because he had um uh, office for pro- we do property management now like property development now that's the family business but um he had an office in queen's park lewis estates and now he's less leasing it to martian parsons so if anyone knows that area she would always go to that office it was called lewis estates on the corner in queen's park opposite starbucks okay queen's park northwest london salisbury road so that's the last time my granddad saw her um, was there, her getting money, but one, one day she didn't come. And that was weird because she was always coming to pick up like a daily, like a weekly allowance from him. It wasn't the first time Lisa had missed a collection. But when the second week came and went without any sign of her, Mohammed knew it was time to involve the authorities. And he knew something was wrong. He thought, what, she's not come, you know? Like, this is, this is money like she wants her food and stuff. Like, she hasn't, like, come to the office. And my granddad went to the police station and said, I haven't seen my daughter for a week. And they said, like, yeah, but, like, her lifestyle. (laughs) Or, like, oh, it's only been a week, like, whatever. Like, they can nudge off. At first, Lauren wasn't all that concerned. Lisa had a track record of going AWOL. And you know what's so crazy, being 15? Like, you're, like, not naive to it, but... Like, I'd say to my friends, like, I wouldn't really think she's missing because sometimes I wouldn't see her for, like, a month. So for me, I'm like, yeah, she's probably just chilling. And then it was six months down the line, and I'm like, maybe she's going to come back. Like, she's probably, like, popped out somewhere because as a kid, it was quite traumatising. Like, I'd look through my window, she would just go. And I'm like, where the fuck has she gone? 
And then she'd be back two weeks later. I'm like, oh, hi. And then she, I'd be with her for like three weeks. So I like psychologically, <laughs> I would be thinking like, she's going to come back. Like, yeah, she's, she's just doing her own thing. She's never came back. But as time went on, Lauren was forced to confront the idea that this time wasn't like the others. And then alarms started setting off for us a week or two in. She had a mobile phone, but she would write down numbers on a piece of paper. So I found that when I was in the office, like two months after she went missing, I found this paper with like 12 different numbers. And like two years later, I kept the paper for some reason. I don't know why. Two years later, I called all the numbers. Some people were just saying, I don't know. I don't have this stupid paper anymore. Um, Some people said they don't know who she was and some of the phones were just disconnected. Eventually, Metropolitan Police officially designated Lisa as a missing person and began looking into her case. Meanwhile, Lauren was doing some sleuthing of her own. I was asking the most random people. I was got a photo out. I was asking, I was just asking so many people. So I was getting like little stories here and there. But the first real break came when the authorities made contact with Lisa's probation officer, who they came to learn was the last person to see her alive. Like she saw her probation officer two days before she went missing. He described Lisa as being in good spirits and looking well to match. She had her hair done, she was healthy, she was in a good state. But what was of particular interest to the investigation was one specific request that Lisa had made. She went to her probation officer, like as a checkup, I think, um, and she was just asking for a passport. That's what she was saying. The police searched the apartment that Lisa had been staying in. She had a residential address eight months before she went missing. But then after that was staying with her friend. When they went to her friend's apartment, I don't think any of her stuff was there, from what I remember. So she asked for a passport and it's like, she could be living her best life. (laughs) The passport request threw up all manner of questions. Had Lisa left the country? Her flat was empty after all. Perhaps she decided to pack her bags and make a fresh start abroad. I've never spoken to this probation officer and I have no information about this because the police didn't follow through properly 10 years ago. Records show that Lisa's passport wasn't renewed. 10 years later, it remains expired. So what does that leave us with? One thing Lauren and her family have pushed back on over the years is the idea that because of Lisa's past, her case is somehow less worthwhile. Because when someone with a history of drug abuse goes missing, people tend to jump to conclusions. She's a human. She's a person. It's been 10 years. The 10-year anniversary was like a few weeks ago. She's a human. Like, okay, so what if she had a turbulent lifestyle? It wasn't too serious. Like, people love to judge. You don't know, like, the depth of a human. You can't just look at a face and think, oh, okay, why would we give a shit and now all of a sudden it's blown up again and it's just painful for my granddad and my grandma someone who shared in that pain was lauren's dad he always said to me lisa is my first love and my only love you know and he would always call me and say when have you heard about your mom have you heard any news about your mom 
Every day he was so upset about it. He was so worried. He, that was the love of his life. That was his teenage love. He was obsessed with her. She was obsessed with him. He was every time on the phone. He would always say, Oh, have you heard anything about your mum? Have you heard about Lisa? Sadly, just a few years after Lisa's disappearance, Graham was involved in a serious accident. So he loved driving, as I said, became a chauffeur. Then he got a job at Audi driving the test cars. And he was so over the moon. One day he got hit in the back of the car, 60 miles per hour, got brain damage, damaged his frontal lobe, lost his short-term memory, barely, and his life got fucked. And he couldn't drive anymore, they took away his license. That was the best thing in his life, so depressing. <laughs> that was the highlight of his life when it got taken away. It was almost too much for Lauren and her brother to bear. Not only was their mother missing, now their father was contending with life-changing injuries. Tragically, the worst was yet to come. So he passed away. He took an antidepressant and a painkiller that weren't meant to be put together. And it over-sedated him and he passed away. So then they came out saying, oh yeah, it's an accidental death. I'll something like that. Like, it won't happen again. Uh, it's all on the news. I can't really speak too much because the case is still going on at the moment. Over a decade has passed since Lisa vanished, but recent events have given Lauren hope that they're closer than ever to a breakthrough. Past four months, there's been a bit of, like, intel, and we've been told a few things, like someone, apparently someone called. This is before the 10-year anniversary, before we were on the news. Someone called from a no-caller ID saying that there's a man who knows where my mum is. They gave his name and they gave a location and apparently this man is in prison at the moment, but not, not for murder or drugs. He's in prison for death. But like, there's been a few links at the moment which I'm quite happy about. In the aftermath of the anonymous call, the Metropolitan Police assigned additional resources to Lisa's case. They've got a whole team now, which I'm so delighted about. Like, I just hope they can help us. I really hope they can help us. And if they can't help us, I just hope anyone who has information can just come forward and help. They're trying to trace the guy who made the phone call. They're trying to talk to people and friends who knew my mom. So they're basically doing, which was, which was amazing. Like they're going from basically square one again, which I think is the best route to do. Over the years, Lauren and her granddad have shared their various theories about what may have happened to Lisa. My granddad believes she's 1% alive, personally. I have so many theories, like she could be dead, overdosed, alive, living in a different country. Like, she could have been murdered. I have so many outcomes, but like, I like to keep my options open. For Mohammed and Linda, trying to adjust to life without their daughter has been a daily struggle. She's an only child. So imagine how painful her being like going missing is for my grandparents. For my grandma, that's her daughter. Like, she's just gone. Like, and do you want, like, that's so hard. And then seeing me every day, I look exactly like her. <laughs> but with, I dye my hair blonde, but I look exactly like her. So it's just like, I can't imagine, like, for me losing both of my parents and not knowing where my mom is, is horrible. 
When the family comes together, they do their best to avoid dwelling on the sad times and focus on the good ones instead. But you know what I love? Every time we speak about her as a family, as a collective, it's always in a positive light. Like, oh, Lisa did this, or Lisa did that. It's always positively spoken about, you know? Because that's a baby. And for them to then take on me and my brother when I was like three years old, and then for our daughter just to go missing, it's like they've got a second chance. And I have so much respect for them. They're such strong people. Lauren refuses to give up on finding out the truth about what happened to her mother. She has continued to work with the police, engage with the media, and even approach people on the street, which quite recently yielded an unexpected result. This is crazy. So I went to TK Maxx, but then I saw this homeless guy. He was like sitting down and like, cause of my mom's situation, I always like to give them a pound or two, you know, you know what I mean? So I was talking to him. I was like, hi, how's your day been? And he's like, yeah, I'm all right. Something just clicked in my head. This happened four days ago. Something clicked in my head. I literally showed him a photo of my mom. I used to do this all the time. I used to show people photos of my mom. They probably thought, who is this girl coming up to us? Um, I showed him this photo. I was like, do you know who she is? He's like, I've recognized her. Then he called this guy over from across the street. And he was like, oh, do you know this woman? He's like, yeah, that's Lisa. And in my head, I'm like, what the hell? He goes, yeah, I saw her about two years ago. And the other guy was like, no, I saw her a year ago. I didn't give them no money. They didn't know me. These people don't know me. I just showed them the photo. I was like, are you sure? They were like, yeah, like, we're pretty sure we saw her a year or two ago. So when these people said that, I was like, whoa. So I gave them 20 pounds and they were like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, she's missing. They were like, what do you mean she's missing? And I was like, yeah, she's missing. Lauren obviously can't canvas every person in London, so the family have offered a substantial incentive for any information relating to Lisa. There's a 10 grand reward, and despite the money, it's not even about that. It's about this woman who God knows what's happened to her. She has a family who cares about her. I'm her daughter, I'm 25, I've lost both of my parents. I only have my brother after my grandparents passed away. We need to know what happened to our mom. We need, they need to know what's happened to their daughter. And I also want to say, if you've been in a family where someone in your family has gone missing, I'm so sorry. And I, like, I understand your pain. And if you haven't, then just think if it was your brother, your mother, your daughter. So if you see anyone who looks like her, you can Google her name, it's Lisa Poor. So Lisa then P-O-U-R missing and all the information will be online. It would mean the world. Like it's my granddad's dying wish to walk me down the aisle and to know what happened to his daughter. We just, it needs to come to an end now, no matter what the result is. In many cases, it takes just one piece of information to lead police or family to the answers they crave. If you know what happened to Lisa, or you remember seeing someone like her on January the 15th, 2013, your information could be vital. Even if you've never heard of Lisa Poor before listening to this episode, you could still help. 
visit our website, themissingpodcast.org, where you'll find more information on this and every other case we featured on this podcast. There, you can join an online movement, one dedicated to supporting the investigations for all the cases we've covered, including the one you're listening to right now. Since the launch of The Missing Podcast, over 300 volunteers have joined community investigation teams led by Locate International. In the UK alone, there are over 12,000 long-term missing and unidentified people. To support Locate's efforts and to learn more about the vital work they do, visit locate.international where you can join the mission to help locate the missing. The series is also made in collaboration with the charity Missing People, who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. You can reach them by calling or texting 116-000 or by emailing them at 116-000 at missingpeople.org. We cannot say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. Lauren hopes that the information will soon arrive to solve this one. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime.